You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that looked like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. Welcome back to the SLC Punks podcast. This is your host, Hansen James. And this is Milo. We're back. We are back. Welcome back, Milo. It's it's probably uh, outside of the playoffs. My favorite time of the year. It's uh, free agencies coming up. We got the draft. We just had the draft lottery, which is a lot of fun. It's a great time of year. There's a lot of drama that's going to uh, happen, and we're already starting to see the tip of the iceberg with the drama. But before we uh, kind of delve into the jazz stuff, uh, what do you think? The New Orleans Pelicans get the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. I'm actually a big fan of what happened. I love it. I absolutely love it. Cause I think, cause I, I know there's a first, there's a Rudy Gobert tweet where he said, we all just witnessed the end of tanking. And I know some people are like, well, there's still going to be teams that lose games on purpose at the end of the year. Yes. But I do think we're going to see the end of the hinky tanking or the Suns tanking or the Oklahoma city thunder where they uh, where they tanked multiple years in succession to get uh, Kevin Durant, that model um, doesn't appear to be a very trustworthy model anymore, because the three worst teams in the NBA, the Knicks, the Cavaliers, and the Suns, um, are all watching other teams uh, draft pretty high. The Knicks are the only ones who escaped the full guillotine, but even then, they're drafting number three. They almost were drafting number four, mm-hmm. and they could. I mean, they would have been outside of the top three, top three prospects in this draft. And there's a big drop off when you're going from Barrett to Cam Reddish. Oh, it's really true, and it's obviously a down year in the draft. So maybe not completely dead drafting, but it's going to affect it a lot. Like and other teams too, not just those three teams but also for example the atlanta hawks who everyone praised for kind of how they've run their organization they got hopped by three teams so you know it really is a i i actually think it's in a lot of ways fixed in some ways i mean it's very clear like if you're the worst team in the league that really only i mean you have a 14 percent chance for the top pick yeah 14 percent and only a 50 percent chance at a top four like that's that's a coin flip. And so at the end of the day, like you flip a coin and two of those three, uh, two of those three worst teams ended up outside the top four. That's, I don't think as a general manager, if you're deciding your future before, I mean, you're looking at 65%, 70% of having a top three pick, one, one, one or two, and then three, you're, you're at about a coin flip. And so you're still okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like, Man, if you're the worst team, like you're missing out on scoping for good talent or developing talent, and you might not even get good talent in the draft. That's a that's a tough scene. You don't want to be in that. I also love how the New Orleans Pelicans now control all leverage with Anthony Davis. Before they're like, okay, well, whoever lands Zion, we're pro- they're probably going to be throwing him our way, and you know, and, and that will be good. But now it's just like. Oh, you want to give us the second best prospect in this draft? Hmm. Or the third? Oh, fascinating. That's adorable. Uh, I think I think there's a lot of things that we could see. And and even to the madness where people are like, LeBron could be traded to the New Orleans Pelicans for Zion. It just I love how crazy it's all it's got all of a sudden. Like it's just it's pure insanity. I also think uh since we're talking about this. This does open up the door for Mike Conley. Uh, oh. it, it, 
oh, now, now, now Utah doesn't have to feel like they have to give a really prized prospect for Mike Conley to replace him as the Grizzlies have the inside track to John Morant. Yeah. So now pretty awesome. Well, John Morant, uh, is definitely probably the number two prospect in this draft, unless you really like RJ Barrett. Uh, but either way, the the Grizzlies are going to look to have someone to kind of pair with uh, Jaron Jackson, and they're going to go young, obviously, which they should, because you want to give them a lot of minutes to develop. Uh, and, you know, that's another thing is like this new draft thing probably is not going to tank, take tanking away completely, but it's, I mean, there's still going to be teams like the, the Memphis Grizzlies who are probably going to go young and allow their team to be bad. So they're probably going to get another top 10 pick next year to pair with whoever they draft this year. Uh, you're never going to get rid of that completely, but yeah. It And speaking of Mike Conley, it does give the jazz uh, another shot at getting him if they really want him uh, because honestly it's two years of $34 million for uh, Mike Conley, who will take minutes away from whoever they draft. And maybe they think that, that uh, that Conley can pair with a John Morant or an RJ Barrett. But the truth is you probably want to get as much as you can and get as many players as you can at kind of that same timeline as Jaron Jackson and, and John Morant to, to as you can. So the jazz are, yeah. it kind of, the jazz are kind of winners in this lottery. I mean, I don't know what the Pelicans are going to do. It really is like, if you wanted to pick out the scenario that kind of threw a wrench in things the most. It really is what happened because like you said, they're in complete control. They can do whatever they want. There's going to be, I mean, honestly, they will just basically play uh, just auctioneer and whoever gets like people at work were asking me, well, what do you think? Who do you think will get him? And I, I said, it's a very boring answer, but it's just going to be whoever gives them the best offer. <laughs> That's yeah. And like. here's the crazy thing. Their best offer could be keeping him. That's because thing. if 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 uh, David David Griffin, who is the general manager there, is an amazing general manager, and he has a really good resume of being, and he could go to Anthony Davis, and be like, "Look what I did for LeBron. Mm-hmm. I turned that team that had really limited assets, and I fl- I was able to flip Andrew Wiggins and Dion Waiters and all these guys for Kevin Love, and 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 a ton of depth mm-hmm. to be able to get them." Uh, get them a championship. Now I can do the same for you. And we have more, we have more talent here. Uh, we have more assets and depending on if we keep Zion or we trade him for other things, we could even improve our, um, our depth and have a really good squad. So I think with what he's doing, that is, uh, I think what, what's so cool about what the draft lottery did was for the past, I don't know what it was, three or four years, it's been chalk. You know, it was one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Worst three teams are getting it. Mm-hmm. Because this is so random, it it has changed the entire offseason. The ripple effects of this draft are going to be felt all the way into October. I mean, this draft lottery. We're not even to the draft yet, and the draft lottery is going to reverberate through this offseason because – the Pelicans have leverage. So before this, it was like, okay, well, either the Boston Celtics, New York Knicks, or the Lakers, they're going to trade and someone's going to get Anthony Davis. Well, now that the Pelicans have Zion, they could be the ones who are who are initiating things. They can control the, the conversation. They can control where this goes. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, that means, like, for example, I, I wrote in I, on the site that this probably means that Drew is not going anywhere. Well, I I'm just looking at him now. I uh, when Shams, let's see, he's tweeted the New Orleans Pelicans are now set up to be Zion Williamson's franchise to lift and number one pick could could ease potential trade of Anthony Davis. His stance on trade has not changed. League sources tell the Athletic. So according to Shams, he hasn't changed his mind. And if that's the case, that might help the jazz because maybe the jazz are a team that could go get drew. I don't know if the jazz have the pieces to get him, but I just, I, yeah, I think the jazz are there's their problem is they have $200 bills and uh, a, a few fives and tens. Mm-hmm. We don't really have, and they don't have anything in the middle. Like it's just like either you're giving Donovan Mitchell and 
Rudy Gobert, and then there's a big step down from you know with Joe Ingles and Derek Favors. There's not really a, um, uh, and especially now that they have Zion, Derek Favors isn't really valuable in that scenario to them mm-hmm. um, moving forward. And, and unless they think that Derek Favors is think, a nice pairing with with Zion, with Zion, which he might be actually, but uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to. It, they're a wild card. Like that's what's so beautiful about it. Before this, before this draft lottery, you basically could, could, could say with pretty certainty what it was. Basically, whoever wins this is trading is going to trade sign for Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. And now they get for the most part. Now they have a chance. Like and and things, crazier things have happened. There was a time when Kobe Bryant was one hundred percent going to leave the Lakers. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. Um, they 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 called his bluff and they built a team around him and he changed his mind pretty quick when he was like, "Oh, this is we're winning." Um, that could change, and the Pelicans have until the trade deadline to to move Anthony Davis, so they can they can do uh, they can wait and have the luxury of time. Um, and there was a quote by um, uh, from. Wojnarowski, where he said in the in the whole war room where they're you know the ping pong balls or whatever are in there, and and somebody was talking to to Woj and he, somebody said, oh um so who do you think uh, who do you think's going to trade for Zion? And he was like, um, uh, no, trade for Anthony Davis now that Zion's going to the Pelicans. And he's like, I'm not sure the Pelicans are even going to want a deal. And Alvin Gentry, who was in the corner of the room. Um, exaggeratedly yelled, "Thank you." Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, I didn't know that, so that's interesting. So Anthony Davis, who he may not have, he may not have changed his desire to be traded, but the Pelicans have definitely changed their desire to trade him. So I think things have changed there. When it comes to Memphis, so I I hate that people have been like kind of crapping on Mike Conley. I don't know how Mike Conley is, has gone from really good player over the past season to complete geriatric in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Like people are like, yeah, he's going to be 32 years old, but they're speaking like 32 years old is the new 45. Like you're like, ah, oh, we might as well bring back John Stockton. Like it, it's like, you're talking about a guy who averaged per 36, 23 points a game, seven assists on 43% shooting from the, from the floor. Um, 36 from three, 48 from, from, uh, at the rim. And then he gets to the line at six times per 36 and hits 85% of those. I'm sorry. That is an, an, an insane upgrade over, over any, any player. And he instantly becomes the best point guard that Utah's had since Darren Williams. Well, can I, Barnum. can I just, uh, I mean, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I'd rather have, Mike Conley than Kemba Walker. And that's not even really that hard of a decision for me. I mean, if two years of Mike Conley at 34 million at 30, what is he? 32 uh, is much better. And I, I think some people have really fallen in love with Kemba Walker, who is a very good player. And if that's who the jazz end up with, then that's pretty exciting because it means they got a huge victory in the off season by getting a free agent. But Kemba Walker shot 35% from three. His three-point percentage has gone down the last two seasons. He's also an undersized guard who doesn't defend well. Mike Conley, uh, though who isn't uh, all that much bigger than Kemba, is a much better defender, is a grittier, tougher player in that sense. He's stockier too. Like he's 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 Kemba's Kemba's lighter built. Well, and he would just is, he would just fit into the jazz system really well. And you could see him aging nicely um where Kemba a lot of the time really relies on that quickness and athleticism which you know he's a smaller guy and it seems like that tends to go well for smaller guys but you know what he's not always going to have that well here's the thing what have we been watching with uh Isaiah Thomas and I know Isaiah Thomas is a smaller player than even Kemba Walker but man when you've got a guy like that and if they lose even a step it goes pretty fast uh, with their ability to even play beyond the floor. Mm-hmm. And if you're giving a four-year max of, you know, the money that they're talking about for Kemba, 
And that if that falls off at any point in that period, man, and if it's already started to fall off, I mean, you've got some problems. But Mike Conley, I, I, I th- yeah, well, I'm ahead. looking at Mike Conley versus Kemba Walker. Uh, Conley is better field goal percentage, better three point percentage. Uh, Kemba's a little bit better from two, so 48% for Conley, 49% for Kemba. Uh, Conley. Uh, overall has a better offensive rating, better defensive rating. Uh, he's just, I don't know. He's just a better player, honestly. And both of them, Kemba and Conley were the lead guy on their team. And Conley last year yep. and played with bad, bad supporting cast. Exactly. With, well, with Conley was in the Western cast. conference too, by the way. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know. I like, I would prefer the jazz go get a free agent straight up. Like I, my preference is, Tobias Harris, but if the Jazz don't feel like they can get him or or whatever, then I am perfectly happy bringing in Mike Conley. Um, I think one of the things to to think about um, when as the Utah Jazz go into this offseason is they're building for so they have a tight window, they have a tight contention window for Rudy Gobert at his prime and Donovan Mitchell at um, not in his prime, but still improving every single year. And, um, and just because of age wise, those two don't really coincide at the same point. Um, big men tend to drop off a bit earlier because, you know, gravity is a tough son of a bee. Like it, it takes a hold on a seven footer more than a six footer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so when you, when you have that, um, Utah is looking the reason they, they've kind of targeted Mike Conley is a, um, they were trying to keep Derek Favors, um, if possible, and were willing to go out over the salary cap. Things fell apart, and now they're not going to have that. If they, the funny thing is, if they still don't want to have to get rid of Derek Favors, they're going to have to give up um, a lot more depth. If uh, if if they wanted to do so in a trade, either they're giving up Derek Favors in a trade, or they're going to have to let him go, or they're going to have to part with Jay Crowder. Uh, Jay Crowder, Kyle Korver, and hope that Kyle Korver doesn't retire before they could trade him. Uh, they would have to give up um, uh, Dante Exum, who um, it, it's been rumored back and forth whether he he was a sticking point or not. Um, they would have to give up a first rounder with less trade protections on there um, if they were doing so because they're giving up less good things. So it's it's interesting, um, but. But the other thing that is kind of nice is um, there is that kind of bias when you are negotiating, when you, when you are wanting the thing that you already have, sometimes the price can um, unconsciously be lowered because you're like, well, now it's not a do or die situation if I get a top three pick. Mm-hmm. We already have it. We're playing with house money. And so you're like, if I can just get a little bit more, a little bit more. And so the price might unconsciously get uh, be be less now because Utah's like, well, here's the thing. You guys already got the point guard of the future. What you guys need is depth or veteran help. And so now they're able to kind of meander their way, uh, like kind of side skirt a few things uh, at the negotiating table. So uh, that could, that could possibly allow them to, um, to do some different things. So, um, Pivoting from the crazy NBA lottery news, um, our man uh, passed uh, Jazz point guard while still on the roster for at least until June 30th. Uh, Ricky Rubio uh, was in the news uh, recently. He was speaking to, um, let's see here, he's speaking to a Spanish outlet, AS, and uh, they were asking him about his um, possibilities ahead of free agency. And it looks like he understands where his place is going to be. He is asked where he thinks he could go. And he's like, well, you know, um, a lot of teams have starting point guards under contract. So it's kind of waiting to see where starting point guards go or land or if there's an opening, whether that's Kemba or Golden State or Houston or Boston. And so he he understands that he's, he's not in that top tier. But what's interesting <laughs> is... Um, it, he 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 was talking about how this is his bi- biggest window because by the time his next contract ends, he could if he signs a three or four year, he'll be done. He'll be thirty two. 
Um, and it, he's, uh, he's like, well, you know, and that's towards the end of my career and he wants to win a ring, but he, he said something interesting. He, so first he said, I'd like to win the ring being the protagonist because a ring without playing wouldn't feel like mine. I want to have a leading role and now it's time to find a team where I can achieve that goal. Okay. <laughs> um, next, um, so the person followed up and said, well, you know, uh, how did you feel about, you know, you have a leading role in Utah. How did you feel about the Jazz being willing to trade you during the regular season? And he said, well, if you analyze it as a business, which is what it is, I can understand it because in June I become a free agent and they had nothing in return. Maybe they thought they had a sticker. I'm guessing he means coupon. Um to that expired in three months and they change it for another one that had three years of contracts like Mike Conley. That makes you think uh, if you, you don't know if it's because maybe you're not playing well or if what they wanted was to make some changes to improve in the end, you can't take it personally, but uh, here it comes. All that has affected me without a doubt. If the question had been asked a year ago, I'd sign with them with my eyes closed. Now from here to July, many things can happen. <laughs> Well, you so, know what? Can I uh, say one thing? I would be perfectly happy to drive Ricky Rubio to the airport to the next team he plays on so that they <laughs> uh, I'm having a hard time holding back my <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, okay okay um I, I don't I, you never want to clown on a guy, but at the same time um. He starts the interview out being like, yeah, I'm not a top tier guy. But then he's acting like he's really miffed because he was almost traded for a top tier guy. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. You can't be and, – and, and you've, you've got to know like – and all my Mormons out there know um, the eight cows from Ohana thing. Like, if they're negotiating and they're like, yeah, only one cow and you're like, okay – you're a one cow dude. Yeah. You're no ten cow. And, no and, ten cow and, and, the, and the jazz and the jazz, jazz tried to pull. They were like, okay, we'll give you Ricky Rubio plus one cow. And and the Memphis Grizzlies were like, whoa, 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 that is definitely not enough. We're gonna at least need like a, a, a second round cow and a cow to be named later, and also this past third round pick cow <laughs> to get the deal done. Like that's a lot of cows, and so you got to think like y y you weren't matching value. It wasn't like they were like you weren't a coupon. You were a, like you were the, you were you were the paper that the coupon was printed on, and they were moving and they were adding pieces to it. You were the you weren't the print on top, and so I, and I get that. Like when we're in a job, and if we feel like you know the it the walls are closing in or or they're wanting to move on from us. I, I think every single one of us listening to this podcast or on this podcast is going to, our, our performance is going to go down. We're not going to have warm, happy, fuzzy feelings for that. Um, and, and we're not going to, and, and, and performance is going to diminish. Having said that, the MBA is not like a normal job at all. There is the expectation that you're going to be traded and you're going to be, have the expectation that you can be moved at any time. It is entertainment. It is not like a normal job. It is not like a normal marketing nine to five job. It is an entertainment. You're an entertainer playing basketball for others for their entertainment. And you're getting paid a good money to do so. And yes, it is going to interfere. But at the same time, your your job is to for, perform for the best of your ability. And if somebody says, if somebody there says, "Yeah, I think you're more of an understudy than the lead role," um, that it is what it is at that point. And I think what Ricky Rubio might find in this market when he's out there is if he gets a starting role, I think it's only with like the Phoenix Suns, who are not going to be like a true. Um, he's not going to be get to be the protagonist playing a, playing for a ring. With well, yeah, it's gonna, well, or it he, might be him. Is he's going to be with a bad exactly. team? Exactly. Well, it's going to be a team that wants to lose a lot of games. Like, let's just be honest. Like Charlotte. Exactly. It's going to be a team that needs a point guard that can, you know, help develop someone like Jaron Jackson and John ja Moran or whatever. 
so that they can like get set up, but it's not going to be a player that is good enough to help you win games. And I'm sorry, we lost a lot of games this year because our starting point guards shot like 29% from three for most of the season. And it hurt us. And we lost playoff games this year because people didn't have to guard our starting point guard from the three point line. So our, and our starting point guard couldn't make them pay. No, and our starting point guard couldn't guard a tree stump half the season. Uh, like it gets annoying when every single team you play, their starting guard has like their career high against you every night. There's a reason that happens. There's a reason we lost by 50 points to Dallas. There's a reason we lost to Indianapolis without Victor Oladipo uh, multiple times because like we couldn't guard Darren Collison. It's frustrating. The Jazz were very loyal to Ricky Rubio. They held up with every promise they ever gave him. He kind of benefited from a lot of luck with uh, Dante Exum getting injured because I promise you that by the end of this season, had Dante not been hurt, he would have been playing more because the production from our point guard was not good. It was very, very bad. Yeah. And and they were trying to keep his name out of rumors. Like they were really trying um, during this process, like Dennis Lindsay said, unfortunately team leaked something and it was unethical. There are a lot of scenarios where we think Ricky could be back. Like they didn't want to have that out there. They were trying to protect him at all costs, even though they were trying to move him. That's, I mean, in in the NBA where people's names are tossed out there all the time for trade rumors, Utah Jazz do do a phenomenal job of trying to protect their guys. So they're not wrapped up in trade rumors week after week after week after week after week. They do their best to try to avoid that. But even despite all that, Ricky Rubio, who has got a starting job, um, who was brought here because of Gordon Hayward, and Utah Jazz probably at, at that point once Gordon Hayward leaves, uh, most teams would have been like, uh, you know what, we're going to see if we can jettison you again. <laughs> we're, we're probably not going to keep a promise. And they had promised he was going to be a starter and all that. They kept their promise despite Gordon Hayward not being here. They were true to him. And despite all that, after the trade deadline, like Ricky Rubio frustratedly took a shot at the front office. I'm not going to say kind of because it was. It was a shot. And he says, teams up sometimes upstairs, meaning the front office, they don't feel like chemistry matters. Sometimes it matters more than anything. And here's the thing. He takes a shot at the front office that that uh, saying they don't really understand about chemistry when that freaking front office um, brought back the majority of the team minus one player from the year mm-hmm. prior. And that and you can only name there was only two years in Utah Jazz history, two two years where they took back a higher percentage of players. Yeah, so saying that the I, I don't I don't I what 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 do you do at that point? It's like, dude, he did. They tried. It didn't work. And guess what? His job at that point, when like they make a promise to you, but your job is to perform and and keep your promise. And at that point. When you're not, when you're turning the ball over, when they were making these trades and they were trying to, at that time, the Jazz hadn't really turned it on yet. Mm-hmm. They were struggling. And your turnaround was like, okay, cool. Well, it's February now. And we're still waiting for you to turn it on. And you're injured most of January. Um, and you, and they saw their, their, their rookie guard. Like having to pull most of, most of that, and and they weren't sure when you returned from injury if you were going to be the same dude. Yeah, they got to make moves for themselves, and you thought that was the appropriate time after you had just missed a month to be like, you know what, our our our, our this front office doesn't really understand, and 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 this is where Ricky Rubio's like in in like in the community. He's a super nice guy. He's a lot, like I I get all that, but a strong locker room guy doesn't pull an us versus them against one of the best run organizations in the league. If there is any organization that's going to understand your position as a player more than anybody, it's going to be the small market Utah jazz because they have to protect their players because they can't, they, the last thing they can afford to do is burn a bridge with a bunch of different agencies. Mm-hmm. And so for him to assume like, so that's what when I'm reading these quotes and he's just like, well, you know, I, I was going to do with the Utah Jazz and he'd be like, dude, like you would be lucky if they came back to you because guess what? 
the Utah Jazz aren't going to burn that bridge with you, even though it sounds like you're kind of like doing doing a Terry Rozier light um, to the organization where you're just like, well, you know, I was going to sign a contract, but, you know, pff, the way the last year has gone. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe the last year you got to keep your starting position despite being one of the worst point guards in the league. You got to uh, – you, you never were in, were in jeopardy of losing your job any of these two years despite being really up and down. The team stuck with you, not just, and the team kept everything not just together. Stuck with him, but they, it, but like, like I don't constantly like put out, you know, marketing and PR to make him look like Saint Rubio of Spain. Like people, like like they did a really great job. They did a really good job for him. So to see him being like, well, I can't believe it. I'm like, they're the, the five, the five for the fight initiative. They they balanced it with his his charities so that they were able to have some synergy there. Um, they worked with him in the community. They, I, and he did great things here. He helped build the culture of the Utah Jazz. The strength of the team is the team. He did a lot of things, but it is a 50-50 street, and you don't see the Utah Jazz out here being like, you know what, you know, we thought we were going to bring Ricky Rubio back, but after you know, after this year, ah oh, man, I, I, I it, it would be hard for us to do so. No, they didn't even say that. Dennis Lindsay said there are a lot of scenarios we could we could bring him back, and we didn't want that to be leaked yeah. out there. So he's doing the so, thing. It's it's hypocritical, honestly, to do the thing that you were mad at the Jazz for doing. Uh, I, I don't know. The Jazz gave Ricky Rubio every opportunity. He got to start regardless of how he played. And I promise you there were other guys on that Jazz team that felt like it wasn't fair. And I think we're probably going to get some stories here at some point about you know just how good the chemistry was from a guy who constantly... Uh, would pout like for example in that time that he was injured the Jazz were still winning games and some of them pretty decisively with Royce O'Neal starting but but mm-hmm. uh, when Ricky Rubio comes back he pouts and he complains and he gives us hard time and now when we see this quote about starting and how he wants to be the protagonist it's really really clear that this guy might not be quite exactly what we think he is and you know the fact of the matter is he's an excel athlete with a sports agency that sets up uh hospital visits directly after a poor performance of a game which is irritating i mean it's great that he does it good for you rubio but it's always a coincidence that after a freaking terrible performance we are always having some sort of charity event the next day and so maybe that's a little coincidental and maybe that's not very nice of me to say, but it's irritating to like hear a player kind of flame the team who honestly did everything they could to make it work out and make him happy and make him his money and whatever bonuses he has in his contract for starting and stuff like that to make him happy. And now for him to flame right. the, it's annoying. It's selfish. And Guess what? The NBA is not here to like make Ricky Rubio happy in every single way. And you know what else is going to be annoying is that like when we post this podcast and write the article and everything about it, we're going to get flamed by a bunch of Ruby bros who will say that we hate Rubio. Just like every single night when we watch this team and just tell everyone exactly what was happening, you get someone just going crazy because you hate Rubio or you think that like if the jazz would just make the team better, you'd realize how good Rubio is. I honestly, I am so excited to move on. (laughs) It's time. I'm ready. Uh, Just like Celtics fans are ready to, to drive uh, Kyrie Irving to the airport. I'm excited to like, (laughs) I'll Uber, I'll Uber (laughs) Ricky Rubio to the airport anytime, even though right now he's, in Spain doing whatever I like <laughs> I'm so over it <laughs> so so with that so we have very direct quotes from um we move from the direct quotes of Ricky Rubio to the uh mysterious quotes from uh Derek Favors evidently Derek Favors uh earlier tonight posted a story on his Instagram where he says and I quote it's so frustrating knowing how terrible, how fake a person actually is, yet everyone loves them because they put on a good show. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. 
Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I, 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 don't mean to, this is, I don't mean to time this like right after we talk about Ricky Rubio. <laughs> But I mean, like, like that's just that's just incidental because we only talk about the Utah Jazz. Um, uh, but it's like these, like, there's some weird quotes coming out here from the Utah Jazz's potential free agents um, yeah. <laughs> that are just like head scratchers. Where well, for this one, for example, like, it's just like, is there favors talking about teammates? Is he talking about stuff that's in his like his life? Um, obviously, Derek Favors is really dependent on the Utah Jazz right now and guaranteeing his contract since he has a team option that needs to be picked up by July sixth, or um, he becomes a free agent. Um, uh, so there, or he can it can be picked up and he can be traded. So there's some really uh, interesting um, things going out there. Um, any. Any any comments on Derek Favors uh, I, uh, uh, throwing I'm gonna, that smoke? I'm gonna like. Uh, well, first off, I, Favors is not as like the Rubio stuff is pisses me off because that's like direct, obvious yeah. shots at the team and the organization. Yeah. Sometimes Favors is like this with social media. He kind of just puts out these like kind of vague, kind of passive aggressive things. It very well. And he also likes trolling. Yeah, he also really he likes trolling his audience it too. Could. Like we have to put that out there. He 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 does that just to sometimes just see what happens. But this one got deleted well, and really I wonder, quick. It That's could the interesting be like thing. He's like, talking about a buddy or uh you know, a girlfriend or a family member or or it could even be an inside joke with somebody else. Like they could have done that and he puts it out there. Like, you know, being like, you know, nudge, hint, hint, nudge, all of a nudge. Sudden you realize, so you oh, don't crap, know the, that the might, context. You know, I, I tend to give Derek Favors the benefit of the doubt just because I it's not like mm-hmm. particularly obvious what he's talking about. It could be anything, but it is. And he's a really good locker is. room guy who has always been like, he's, he's, he, he didn't even throw Gordon Hayward no. under the bus. Like everyone on the jazz team, like, like, you know, sent out the flare Gordon Hayward's direction when he left and Derek Favors Mm-mm. didn't do that at all. So, so I give Favors so the benefit I, I, of the doubt. I, you know, he kind of is, he's kind of funny on social media. He's not on that often. And when he is, sometimes it's just kind of vague or he'll post song lyrics and stuff like that. And Or weird emojis at their crazy times. Like what, what, not this, this last trade deadline, but the year before he kept on posting like weird emojis every day. And everyone's like, what, what does it mean? And he what literally could mean? Just be kind of messing uh, around, you know? Uh, right. Right. He loves, he loves to troll. He loves, he, he loves the craziness. Um, so we go from that to um, uh, my favorite, my favorite uh, smoke of the season. Oh my gosh, it's just it's just such a good high. Um Terry Rogier was was out here um talking about uh Gordon Hayward. Um and he was on what was what was the this show? I think he was um who, oh, who show was, was he on? on? Uh, he was yeah, on was, first take. I forgot. But yeah, ESPN first take. And uh and so he was, so he was, they were talking to him and this is what he had to say. I got the, I got the full quote right here. Um, the, the ball was, was the ball was either in Kyrie or Gordon Hayward's hands most of the time. So I feel like Terry Rozier is just in the corner or on the bench. I'm out there for a little bit of half my minutes. So I'm not really being in my position. Rogier said of sharing the backcourt with Irving. I'm not being Terry Rogier because I have to adjust how Kyrie plays. And then when Kyrie comes out, Gordon Hayward comes in. I feel like his usage is super high. So a lot of plays get called for him. Um, now, the thing is, is to be fair, um, before we, we completely roast Gordon and Hayward, which I really want to do, um, 
the number the numbers do tell a different story. Uh, Hayward only had an eighteen point two percent usage rate this season, only a hair ahead of Rogier, who was at seventeen point nine percent. Time of possession per game. Uh, Terry Rogier had the ball in his hands uh, for one point seven more minutes per game than Gordon Hayward. <laughs> And the touches per game were uh, Terry Rogier had uh, 6.4 more touches per game than Gordon Hayward. Um, but here's now here's here's uh, here's uh, the meaty part. He says them treating Gordon and Kyrie, I wouldn't say different than everybody else, but I feel like they treated them like they were just on that level where there were no adjustments that could be made uh, because they are who they are. We never figured it out after that. Um, when asked if if uh, Irving and Hayward and the rest of the roster returns, if he would go and he if he would stay, and he says, "Nah, I might have to go. I put up with a lot this year. I said what I said after the season. I think we all know I'm not trying to step into that again." Well, Woo! might be able to go get Terry Rozier <laughs> if you want him. <laughs> <laughs> he is really available. Um, he is 100 percent available. <laughs> uh, my goodness. Oh my goodness! Okay, so there. Uh, so, what's your take? What's your take on on Terry Rozier bringing the bringing well, the I, smoke? I think there's a two my part goodness. thing. It's two part. Oh, I think uh, Gordon Hayward and okay. Kyrie Irving are confirmed bad teammates, and anyone who has a problem with me saying that, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just a fact. At this point, you have two scenarios where it's come out that that's the case, and by their fruits ye shall know them. So. That's part of it. I think the other part is that like some of this is on Danny Ainge because at a certain point when you put this many guys on a team, this many draft picks that are developing at the same time, at a certain point, all these guys are going to want to earn their contracts. And Terry Rozier wanted to earn a contract this year. And because he had to constantly defer to Kyrie and Gordon, Gordon, who honestly probably got brought, um, brought along too quickly um, and and did not perform well for most of the, well, I mean, there was a time post all-star break where he started to play pretty well, but then in the playoffs, he just fell off again. Uh, didn't really earn those minutes, but mm-hmm. got them anyway. And I get it that they've uh, invested in Hayward with that contract and everything. But when you put that many guys on a team and these guys are all going to want to earn their contract because they, there comes a point where they're not worried about making sure Gordon's happy because they would like to get as big a contract as they can when it's their time to go out and sh- shop the market. And it's not surprising that like all these guys who are getting less minutes and less touches are going to be annoyed. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a lot of blame that needs to go to Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge should have made some moves to clear up that roster, probably should have traded Rozier at some point. And there were rumors that like Phoenix would have traded for him and you know, it, it torpedoed their season. And honestly, if maybe they make some trades and you figure out like, you know, if I trade Rozier, does that actually make the locker room a little bit better? Cause you know, Rozier probably has, uh, his himself to blame in some cases that you know but that's uh that's on Ainge a little bit too it's on Hayward it's on Kyrie uh the the Celtics are in shambles right now <laughs> like we talk yeah like they're, they're a mess it's it's so crazy to see that Boston LA and New York well New York's always been burning but it's really weird to see Boston and LA just being complete complete tire fires and i agree like Danny Ainge uh he shoulders a lot of this blame. Uh, you can't com- you can't be constantly jettisoning jettisoning guys and having your own players repeatedly in trade rumors like day after day after day from the time they're rookies on, uh, because they're never going to feel comfortable. Plus, the all of these guys, it wasn't that they just uh, you know they're they're rising up and they want more minutes. They played a lot of minutes when Gordon Hayward was hurt and. Kyrie Irving was was hurt last year and they were good. Like they were, well, they were really successful team. without those guys. And uh, it, it is so crazy. A, I never would have dreamed in if you like in my best case scenario that the Utah Jazz would win one more game two years one more one more game than the Boston Celtics uh, two years after Gordon Hayward leaving. 
I never would have dreamed this. I never would have dreamed that they would be in a better situation going into free agency um, this year uh, than the Boston Celtics. Um, And plus, if I'm Anthony Davis, do I really want to end up in Boston? Uh, Like, I just saw Kyrie completely give up on his team. Um, I just saw, I, I just saw a team, uh, uh, like guys are sniping each other back and forth in the media. Um, Gordon Hayward looks like a shell of himself, though. If, if, uh, they're making that trade, there's a good chance Gordon Hayward's heading to. Well, the thing New is Orleans. though, is he has no trade value as, 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 as he has none, uh, only uh, he would be the vehicle. He would only be there to match salary. And then they would be throwing all their assets. Um, it's it, it is crazy to me, um, and and I agree with Gordon Hayward that uh, about Gordon Hayward, where I, he's he is neither a plus for a locker room or, nor a negative. He's just there. Um, and we saw that with the Jazz locker room, where it was just like he, he, he the only person he hung out with was Joe Ingles, and um, when he was there. And when he left, the only person he really thanked in Utah by name, player, and yeah, he didn't even was name Jeremy Ingles. Evans. He didn't name Ingles. He didn't name Gobert, the the dude who basically lifted, like changed the franchise so they actually could win. He didn't name uh he 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 didn't name Joe Johnson. Oh, you know the dude who hit the shot who let you go to the second round. That guy, um, and the dude who carried your tail in the first round when you didn't show up um he didn't he didn't mention like it was just the whole thing was just weird he didn't mention Derek Favors who he had been playing with all like as rookies together for for his entire career none of that and so like and by the way Derek Favors also carried his tail in the first round against the clippers um the whole thing is just Really, 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 really uh, was just, I mean, we we could rehash it a million times and we have, but uh, like that's his, that, that's, he, he's not really a leader. He's a piece and he can be, he can be a very serviceable piece and he could be a good player, but I don't see Gordon Hayward as a leader. And the more time that has gone on, I think we can all attribute most of the Jazz's turnaround and the leadership to Rudy Gobert. We remember when Rudy Gobert called out the defense on in Gordon Hayward's last year and said, we got some guys who you know care more about getting their points up and their shots up than they do about playing defense. And George Hill and Gordon Hayward were just like, oh, that's such an immature comment. He's still learning in the league. And looking back, we're like, nah, Rudy Gobert was completely right. He was right on track and he was he was speaking to the troubles of what the team was going through at that time because they had lost their identity, but somehow he got painted as a dude who was immature and the franchise was still protecting Gordon Hayward because they're like, please pre-sign with us. Please don't leave us. Please don't leave us. Please don't leave us. And they kowtowed to him and he still left. And the true leader um, of that team, Rudy Gobert, and then another great leader in Donovan Mitchell. And then also we see that Joe Ingles is part of that leadership structure um, really mm-hmm. comes into play. So, so uh, I, I hate that. There's two things I hate. I hate that Terry Rozier is getting put on blast completely for being completely honest. Like there's the thing we want our players to be honest when they're speaking to the media. When we ask them a question, we're like, man, I really like when they're earnest with us and really speaking from the heart. And Terry Rozier, like he's, He's not saying anything we don't know. Like everyone's like, I can't believe he's saying this. It's just like these are things that every sports writer has been saying about the Celtics all season. Kyrie is too selfish. They're kowtowing to Gordon Hayward and he's not ready to be back on the court. Um, these young guys aren't getting enough time and so they're playing out of roles. Um, he's He said all the things that we know and for some reason we're like, wow, man, I'm not sure if I would want, want to be his teammate. And it's just like, why? Like – I would actually want to be more of Terry Rozier's teammate than I would Kyrie Irving's because at least Rozier's going to be telling it like it is. And Kyrie's just going to be um, there ignoring the problem, quitting on my team and having one, one foot out. Well, like, and calling I, LeBron like, mid season to apologize saying these guys like, 
just kind of shots at his own teammates. It was so weird. Oh, that like yeah, yeah. Kyrie was just like yeah, these guys are just young, and he and he and apologizing to LeBron, where it was just like, are you looking to get traded? Do you not want to be with the team anymore? Like what? Like that was just a weird thing, or where he uh, where he said the guys uh, you know don't know how to win. It was just like, bro, yeah, they do. They were just, they did it last year without you. Don't know well, how to win. They were a better team without him. Like, they it, like and that's went the thing. farther. I and yeah. it was uh, they went to the Western Eastern Conference Finals, and it took LeBron playing literally forty eight minutes for them to lose. So. They were a better team with Rozier. It's just a fact. And his numbers took a dip this year. Honestly, if the Jazz went and got Rozier this year, I'd be happy with that. For one, he will, you know, he's out to prove himself. And I think that Quinn Snyder can get a lot out of that guy. And he is a shooter. And, you know, his numbers, it is a little troubling, but you know, that guy cares. That guy wants to win. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know what's funny is this Kyrie stuff might, uh, and I know we're going a little long, so maybe I'll make this quick, but this might end up turning into something that actually helps the jazz in a way. Cause let's say Kyrie goes to Brooklyn or New York or something like that, that might open up an Avenue to get someone like mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell. If the jazz, uh, if everything plays right. And I have to say, there's been a lot of things that have gone on in the playoffs that might've benefited the jazz. The, the Philadelphia Sixers lost in the first round. Um, and they have a lot of questions. Uh, second round on who they want to pay. Oh, they lost second, the second round. round. I, I don't know what I said. They lost in the second round. Oh yeah, second round said to first the Toronto Raptors, and they were expecting to go to the finals this year. Uh, and they're going to have to pay all those guys, and there's just no way they can pay everyone without an enormous uh, tax bill. Their entire Basically. team is the free agent, it feels like, except well, Embiid and is and a, Simmons. is on a max, and Simmons will be going up for max next year. So what are you going to do? Max Tobias, Max Jimmy. You've got uh, J.J. Redick, who honestly, if you watch that series, looked like their most important player outside of Embiid because he, he just hits so many shots. And so are you going to bring mm-hmm. back J.J. Redick? He looked incredibly valuable and so if you're going to pay all these guys and someone i can't remember who it was who made a good point but last year jj reddick they asked jj reddick to wait so that they could pay uh other guys and make sure they knew what they were doing and jj reddick waited and they did give him a one-year contract but jj's not going to wait this year he's like 34 uh if they want to get him they better pay him and uh I don't know. There's going to be a lot of things that might roll the Jazz's way. Maybe Dennis Lindsay was light years ahead. Maybe he knew by not getting Gordon Hayward that Gordon Hayward would tank the Celtics. And by tanking the Celtics, it would force Kyrie out. And forcing Kyrie out, he saw two years ahead of time that D'Angelo Russell was not just going to be a project, but he was going to be an all-star. And then he would get his his point guard of the future to pair with his with Donovan Mitchell. Yes. He, was, he was all That's- ahead of this. He know this. That's exactly he's, he's what that I think he did. He's like, you like, know that's what? exactly what. <laughs> light years, light years ahead, light years ahead. Like he's, he, he can't touch him. Speaking of general management news, as we we pivot, um, the Utah Jazz are now run by Jay Z, Justin Zanuck, Hofa. So, um, so our man uh, Justin Zanuck uh, got a promotion. Congrats. Um, big congrats. He's been looking for the big congrats. He's been looking for that promotion for a while. He had been in Milwaukee for a year as sort of the general manager in waiting, and then they gave it to a 32 year old kid. Um, uh, and that was, and he was a lot of people's second best choice because they couldn't, they, there was tiebreakers, weird stuff. Anyway, um, he came back to Utah, and Utah has really enjoyed, um, having him on staff. And instead of losing him, they said, you know what? Things are working so well here. Why don't we just make you general manager? And now um, uh, Dennis Lindsay is the executive, uh, what is it? Executive vice wizard of operations. Is that what, is that what it is? Uh, or high wizard? High wizard. Um, um, grand. Um, or is it a magician? Um, I don't. I don't really Emperor's, follow wizarding circles Emperor's and I don't Supreme. read fantasy books. Sorcerer Supreme. So Sorcerer Supreme. There we go. VP Sorcerer Supreme of Basketball Operations. Can I say one thing though? Um uh when what? you compare the difference between the Jazz hiring Justin Zanuck 
and the the absolute minefield that the Lakers walked through with iron shoes to get to their like coaching hire. <laughs> it is like <laughs> unreal. You have the Jazz who hire Justin Zanuck, who has um, from everything you hear just great connections around the league. He's really, I mean, he's been within the organization for years and years, and uh, just ready to go. Uh, you know what you're hiring. He has an understanding of the vision of the team. He's someone you can trust and not just trust, but like count on to do big and great things for Utah. The Lakers, um, Jeannie Buss is listening to Kurt Rambis, who wants him to hire people based on the fact that he would like to be an assistant coach, uh, wants to hire Jason. And, and Kurt, Kurt Rambis, Kurt Rambis, who can't even hide the fact when he likes porn posts on Twitter Kurt Rambis, well, and they, Kurt Rambis, who like had, had was responsible for the Knicks mess, and then the best part is that it's not even they're listening to Kurt Rambis; they're listening to Kurt Rambis's wife Linda. Well, and also Jeannie Buss's ex. Uh, oh no, I can't remember his name. The Ten Rings or whatever, Eleven Rings or. Oh oh um Phil Phil Jackson Phil Phil Jackson, uh. Jeannie Buss is listening to her ex-boyfriend Phil Jackson too for advice. What the hell? It's like, so great. It is such a tire fire. I love it. Well, and then I on top of it. that, that's not even everything. On top of that, they are hiring uh, Jason Kidd as an assistant coach. On top of that, they say a week before they do it that they don't like that he has a history of spousal abuse, but then still hire him. It's just beyond like, what are you doing? Like oh. you literally could not Lu, do and it. And Ty Lu is leaving. I I think my favorite thing was uh, Michael Rappaport was uh, on. Um, I think it was first take, and he was like, he's like, why is why is Linda Rambis in my basketball news? Why should I care about Linda Rambis? What does Linda <laughs> Rambis have to do with basketball? Yeah, you're the you're the wife of Kurt Rambis. What does that matter? Like, why why it, are you like why are you here? So I love this. Um, and, and and it's so it's it's kind of funny. Like people are like, well, w what difference does this make about uh, the Utah Jazz hiring Justin Zanuck? Uh, like, uh, nothing's changing in Utah. Yeah, that's it, and that's probably right. Um, is there probably going to be a bit of a management style change with that? Yes, there's always a management style. The way people run is different. But for the most part, the ship is staying the course and going the same way. Not the, there's, there's no massive reorganizations other than the fact that you have an ex-player agent um, taking the lead in the most pivotal free agent offseason that's ever faced the Utah Jazz. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's a lot of the status quo. And when your organization has been phenomenally run since Dennis Lindsay has taken over, uh, that's huge news. That means for the foreseeable future, for the next five years, your Utah Jazz are still going to be well run. Meanwhile, take a look at every other franchise and it, the joke, there's always a joke where um, a good ownership is the best advantage you can have in the NBA. And you can take a look at that. The terrible ownerships, uh, whether it's the Washington Wizards, the Phoenix Suns, the LA Lakers, um, the Sacramento Kings, um, that seem to, even though they have a good a good season, uh, their owner is still trying to shake things up because they can't can't get their tail from you know their head out of their butt. Um, whether it's the Chicago Bulls, the New York Knicks, um, a, a good a good ownership. Um, does you wonders and oh it matters it, it, very much it, it, it's so important um because a good ownership knows that you hire well and then you get out of their way and that's what happens at every step in every single one of these other places whether it's genie bus who just can't get out of her own way um whether it is um why am i why am i um losing track whether it's dolan in new york who uh, threw out a fan because he, he said to sell the team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like just, they're just clowns. They're just clowns at this point because they because they they want to be they want to be a big deal instead of running a team well. And they see their team as a luxury. 
they see it like their yacht, not as like a, a, a and the best owners see their teams as um as a gift to their communities. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks see it that way. The Utah Jazz see that see it that way. The Indiana the Indiana uh, Pacers uh, see it that way. Um, the Toronto Raptors see it that way. Where you like you're a vital part of the community, and e- even though you own the team, um, y- you're the the city owns the team, and you just cut the checks. And it's it's so awesome that the Utah Jazz just. Uh, and jazz fans, and this is coming off like we're really sucking up to the Utah Jazz. Um, uh, but but it's really it's really lucky because not all teams are are lucky the way the Jazz are, where you're able to have well run teams year in and year out. And um, it's really special that you can point to the years um, and name them on your hand in the last almost thirty years in which the Utah Jazz have been bad. Uh, rather than uh, rather than in, insanely good, and mm-hmm. so that's really really special. I agree. It's uh it's nice to be on a team that you know is going to make smart decisions and disciplined decisions, and uh, it just makes it more fun. It's less fun to to write articles about a crappy team with bad ownership. And bad coaching and all these things that come with bad teams. It's just not very fun. So I appreciate the Jazz uh, hiring Zanuck. I think he's going to be a stud. And I think that, you know, it might not be a coincidence. It's right before uh, free agency. And you know what? I'm going to just let myself believe that this might mean we get someone pretty nice. We'll see. But I think we're going to be looking at a pretty big uh, roster change this offseason. Obviously, Rudy and Donovan, I would be shocked if anything ever happened with them, but maybe everyone else, who knows? You never know. Could be some big changes, but that will be fun. Um, and speaking on our last thing, and we'll end it on this, um, on a really awesome note. So uh, Donovan Mitchell is a pretty big effing deal now. Uh, so Donovan Mitchell um, posted on Instagram and on Twitter a picture with him and freaking Tom Holland, the Spider-Man, um, with Tom Holland wearing what looks like Donovan Mitchell's size 2300 shoes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like with Tom Holland wearing them, he looks like a he looks like he's wearing clown shoes. Um but uh so uh, there was a picture where you have um, it, where Donovan Mitchell has uh, scratched himself out, but if you lighten it, it looks like Donovan Mitchell is in a Spider-Man suit, and the Spider-Man suit from Far uh, Far From Home, the Spider-Man movie that's coming out in July, and you have Tom Holland wearing the Adidas kicks that are Donovan Mitchell's Don's issue number one with the Spider-Man colors, and they're both pointing at each other like the Spider-Man meme, and oh my god, it's awesome. It is so <laughs> it's, cool. It's, uh, it is he's so the most cool. marketable player we've ever had. Also, has a chance to be the best player we've ever had. Honestly, with his just skill level, it's we're very blessed as Jazz fans to have Donovan Mitchell. He is amazing. And so, um, so, a do you think? Okay, two two part question. One, are you going to get the shoes? No, it's, this is a three part. Two. What colors are you getting them in? And three, do you think Donovan Mitchell is in Spider-Man Far From Home? Uh, I would like to. I think I am going to get the shoes. I think I am going to get the blue and red Spider-Man colorway. Because I think, honestly, that's the fun one to me. Because that's Donovan Mitchell's nickname is Spida. It's a Spider-Man theme. I don't know why you wouldn't want to get the Spider-Man colors, but you know, to each his own. Donovan showed off a bunch of different colorways that were very cool. Uh, like a black and neon green one looked pretty cool. I can't remember all of them, but uh, I think I'd go with blue and red. I do not think that he is in Spider-Man Far From Home because unless he was in the was in it uh, before last season, 
when he he just it's there's just not a lot of time. NBA players don't have a lot of time to be in movies. But they can they can do, always do a reshoot. They can always like maybe like, he'll make a like, cameo. I could see a cameo. I, I, th- I could see like a cameo because I mean they were even able to like last minute throw Donald Glover into the first Spider Man movie as Miles Morales's uh, uncle well, in there. You so. do know what you know what this is all. You know what's happening is I'm sure what they're doing is filming the marketing for the shoe when it releases. And I'm guessing that it's going to be released the same weekend as that Spider-Man movie when it comes out. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. Well, the shoe and, comes uh, out, the shoe comes out on, um, on the third and July 3rd. Uh, the, uh, well, no, the shoe. Yeah. Well, the shoe actually is scheduled for July 5th and the movie comes out July 3rd. They'd move the movie uh, up um, to four before because originally it was going to land right after 4th of July. So I wonder if they're going to move the shoe up to July 3rd, the day before 4th of July for, for the drop. I, I could see it. Like 10 it out of 10, fun. I will cop, I will cop these, cop these. Like I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the originals colorway. That's what I want. I want the red, the blue, the white Spider-Man colors, because uh, that's, I just want to be able to have like, yeah, this was the original. This is, this was the issue one. This is the time when Utah didn't ha- actually had a player that had a signature shoe, and it wasn't Carl Malone's ugly LA gears. It was uh, <laughs> even though I would love to have a pair of those LA gears, that would be extremely awesome. Even if they're ugly, that would be that's why you get they it. Are it's ugly. Like, they are it's ugly. like having a collector's item about uh, one of my favorite jazz players of all time. I don't know why anyone yeah. wouldn't want it. it yeah, you and, know and. I do love how they're only a hundred bucks, uh, like yeah. we're saying only. But I mean, that's a really good deal for a signature shoe. That doesn't. That, well, when you consider the Jordan Four Bread came out two weeks ago and it was two hundred twenty dollars, it's pretty good. That's a pretty good yeah. deal. Two hundred twenty. Yeah, so for real, for real. So I think, uh, and plus, man, I hope they're comfy because the Dames are really comfy. So I, if they, if these ones are are comfy, then um, I am even more totally awesome. Yes, I'm. I'm totally for it. I, the only thing that I'm I, I question is there's that weird cushion on the back, but at the same time, I do wear socks um, that have a cushion at the top for for the ankles for for running and things like that. So, mm. so, so, so maybe I'm already looking that goofy, but now it's my shoes that's going to look goofy instead of my socks. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I but, uh, I, I think everyone should go out and buy themselves some. Uh, some Dawn ones because it's going to be fun and it'll be fun to see different uh, like the Dawn 2 and the Dawn 3. Uh, so you know what? You know what'll help get Dawn uh, 2 and Dawn 3s out there? Uh, get some nice supporting cast for Donovan Mitchell so he can de- go deep in the playoffs. That's why yeah. the Jazz got to do it. Help him sling dumb shoes. Exactly. Okay. Well, it's been real, everybody. Thanks for listening to us. As always, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, uh, wherever podcasts are sold. And also um, check us out at slcdunk.com. You can follow us on Twitter at slcdunk, on Instagram at slcdunk. And you can go to our our Facebook page, slcdunk as well. There's kind of a theme here. They're all slcdunk. Um, and you can search for us at wherever podcasts are. Just search SLC Dunk Podcast, and that's where you will find SLC Punks. So, um, anything else you guys say, James? I'm good. I'm out. Sweet. Peace out, guys. Talk to you later.